The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is brought to you by Blue Pineapple Travel. Blue Pineapple Travel are experienced travel agents who help you design the perfect trip. They're all well-traveled and knowledgeable, and they will be your advocates from start to finish. The world is a lot different these days, and the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are ready to help you safely navigate it. From helping you figure out the conscientious destinations to helping you figure out entry protocols for different countries, the agents at Blue Pineapple Travel are there for you. Looking to work abroad for an extended period of time? Looking to attend virtual school from a remote location? These are all things that Blue Pineapple Travel can help you do. Again, their website is bluepineappletravel.com. The Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by ITL Coaching and Performance. You can find them at itlcoaching.com. ITL Coaching and Performance exists to build a community of athletes set on reaching goals and serving the community. They have a passion for helping people achieve their goals and dreams. ITL coaches are real people with phones, emails, and the desire to spend time with you during your training. They are vested in their ITL athletes. ITL takes a communal approach to coaching, so there's always someone available to answer questions and to help adjust your training schedule. An ITL coach will be glad to meet with you and to chat about your goals and find the best plan to help you meet those goals. Again, their website is itlcoaching.com. And finally, the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast is also brought to you by SlayRx. You can find those good folks at www.slayrx.com. Are you needing a pleasant spark to take your endurance game to the next level? Are you needing an all-natural, high-quality, customized hydration powder with or without sugar to stave off cramping and dehydration? Are you in need of an effective all-in-one fuel to slay your endurance efforts? Look no more. SlayRx. SlayRx has a really good line of products to serve our most pleasant exhaustion podcast listeners. Let's start with Michelle's favorite, Spark Plug, which replaces sports gel and gross post-race strips to the Porta Johns. It's a poppin' electrolyte powder in small, easily carried tubes. There's also an all-in-one endurance fuel. It has all of your electrolytes, clean fuel, and for no extra cost, your essential amino acids with or without caffeine. And it costs about one-third as much as other brands' combo rocket fuels. Finally, they have my favorite, SlayRx Hydrate Powder, which comes with or without sugar and varying strengths of electrolytes based on your individual needs. They can find those individual needs on the free quiz online at SlayRx.com or with in-person testing like Patrick and I did at their headquarters on podcast episode number 114. Hydrate is the fuel that I use during the Blue Ridge Relay this year, and I recommend it for all of you as well. SlayRx products are 100% natural, come in great flavors, are vegan friendly, and the Hydrate Light is keto friendly. They've all been well researched and developed by a UGA food scientist who's also an Ironman athlete. The products are tested by the pros and endorsed by your fellow endurance athletes and hardworking folks in the community. The free sweat quiz and their products can be found at SlayRx.com, on Amazon.com, or at your local run and bike shop if it's available. You can use the code PLEASANT21 for 10% off at their website. Thanks to SlayRx for sponsoring us, y'all. Give them a try. We appreciate our sponsors, and thanks to all of them for helping us bring you the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast, brought to you by ITL Coaching Performance, Blue Pineapple Travel, and Slay RX. My name is George Darden. I'm an endurance athlete and coach here in Atlanta, Georgia. I'm a college professor. I'm a father of twin boys. My name is Michelle Frank. I'm also an endurance athlete here in Atlanta, Georgia. I am a CPA, and I am a mom to three girls. And my name is Eric Hall. I'm an endurance athlete and coach in Raleigh, North Carolina. I'm the father of three teenagers, the husband to a beautiful wife, Melissa, and I am drinking a wonderfully refreshing kombucha. 
Yeah. Yeah. There's no such thing as a wonderfully refreshing kombucha. <laughs> I think on that we can all agree. Well, it's only because kombucha is not what it is. It is kombucha. Um, oh, okay. Kombucha. Th- th- thank you for the correction there, Mr. Kenwa. Um, I, uh, <laughs> I hope everybody is doing well. Uh, the cool weather has arrived, Michelle. Uh, yeah. We, as, as everyone knows, these days we record our podcasts on Zoom. We started doing that uh, during the days of lockdowns and social distancing and quarantining. Um, and we liked it so much that we've continued doing it. But we now are looking at Michelle, who is on Zoom, wrapped up in a blanket. <laughs> okay. So first of all, it's not just a blanket. It's a rumple blanket, which is by far and away the best purchase or gift that you can get for yourself or somebody else. If you buy it for somebody else, make sure they live in your house so you can use it for yourself. It's, and, did, you, did you call it a rumple or rumble? No, it's rumple. Rumple. Is that a brand oh. name or is that a type of blanket? Oh my gosh. Eric, do you know what these are? Do you know what this rumple is? is? Brand name. I, yes. I could go down and get mine. I have one also. Yes. Well, Melissa's because I bought it for her, but of course, you know. But we buying it. it for Melissa means you use it, right? Yeah, because you can make it into a cape as you have done with yours. <laughs> it's amazing. Um, so we're in Atlanta. The nights are dropping into the mid 40s and I'm stubborn and don't want to uh, fire up the furnace yet. So I'm just seeing how long I can hold out. My kids are really cold. Like it's probably not going to last much longer, but I do enjoy this. I think they should just <laughs> go put on a sweatshirt and <laughs> I don't know what to tell you, but there's was, no heat in my house yet. It was 41 degrees at 7 a.m. this morning. That's fine. It was like 63 in the house. Is that horrible? Uh, no, that's not. No, that's not horrible at all. I'm just saying it's starting to get a little bit cold for real. Okay. I'm just, you know, <laughs> like, it's fine. I like the way you say like, I'm holding out on firing up the furnace. <laughs> got, like this boiler down in the basement. You've got to go like feed wood into it and light it up. And it generates yeah, steam. Right. Like you're going to turn your thermostat up. <laughs> no first i'm gonna switch it from cool to heat and oh, then i'm bad. just gonna hope that i don't smell some type of fiery flame from the attic you have to hit two buttons rather than just one button <laughs> you do and then you have to adjust the temperature and then i have to start warring oh, with everybody about don't move it like i don't ever want the thermostat adjusted more than five degrees up or down oh my god so i just <laughs> keep it within a five degree range and Nobody actually does that. And it's just very, the thermostat's just, it's very frustrating. <laughs> okay. See, now this feels like a much more Michelle type thing. <laughs> um, Eric, what are you up to? <laughs> uh, so uh, I thought it was funny. I was, I was thinking about the, the races that I have coming up and, you know, the, it's that time of year. So you got the cute, like, oh, we're going to do the turkey trot mm-hmm. and then oh, we're going to do the Jingle Bell Run. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to do the Beast of the East. <laughs> so yeah, I, I was just right before the podcast, I was just thinking about that. And I thought it was really funny, the dichotomy of those names of those races. Mm-hmm. And of course, you know, the differences in the Turkey Trot and the Jingle Bell Runner, 5K fun runs, essentially. And the Beast of the East is a 50 miler with 10,000 feet of elevation change. Um, that's run on the shortest day of the year. So you spend the most time in the dark as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so yeah. Um, yeah, that's what, you know, Grace and I are set preparing for that beast of the East, the Turkey trot and the jingle bell are just, they're just things you do. 
you know? So, so, so what you're saying is that your approach to the holiday racing season is slightly different than most other people. (laughs) (laughs) Well, so truth be told, I am the reigning champion of uh, my company's jingle bell run because we sort of sponsor and the company goes, um, and this year, uh, you know, we, we talk about friend of the podcast, Lee Ragsdale. Mm-hmm. Uh, we often discuss his family, um, his mom, his son, Owen. Mm-hmm. Um, his son, Owen, has gotten an itch for running and has decided to challenge his father during the Jingle Bell run. Uh, right. And for those of you who don't know, Owen is a very high level high school senior swimmer. Mm-hmm. He probably, one of his lungs probably carries more air than both of mine. Oh, um, wow. I think he's also a good inch or two taller than Lee and he just kind of lopes along running. Uh, but uh, I think this is going to be a really good, a good challenge for Lee to stay in front. And if Owen is listening and he's thinking about this and, you know, I would never give Owen, um, pointers directly but i would say just sit on your dad's shoulder wait to the last 500 meters and then blow them away has um, we ever lost to owen <laughs> they did a so uh, that's a, that's a not in a race not in a race not a, not a real race they've never raced together but they did do like this easy four miler together and lee thought it would be fun during the last mile to kind of speed up and show his son how it goes and um, as soon as Lee started putting a little bit of fire into his run, his son oh, kicked his dad's ass. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to hear Lee describe it, it was something like, yeah, you know, in about two seconds, he had 15 yards on me. <laughs> so important question, Eric, uh, is Owen going to beat you at the, uh, at the Jingle Bell jog? The company? Oh, without program? a doubt, without a doubt. I've actually thought of, so the Jingle Bell run is a, it's typically an out and a back, out and back. I, I haven't seen the course for this year, but I have actually considered just uh, short circuiting the run and then helping Owen run faster than his father to the finish, because mm-hmm. this is literally one week before the beast of the East. So mm-hmm. there's no way I'm going out and, you know, uh, running a hard 5k before a 50 miler. That's just not, that's not on the docket. Gotcha. Um, 50 miler is the target. And I'm still, you know, as we talked about, I'm still recovering from the hip injury to my IT band. Mm-hmm. So there's no racing, but Turkey trot is not a race. Mm-hmm. The jingle bell run is not a jingle bell run. I mean, it's not a race. It's a jingle bell run. Right. right. So. Very good. Very good. We will look forward to your, your race report from beast from the East or beast of the East, as well as the, uh, the jingle bell run. <laughs> I, I, think, yeah, I, I have to figure out a way to be close enough to the action to be able to report on it. So, it, it really isn't about running a 5k. It's about, it's about reporting on how this goes, this, this father son duel, uh, how it goes down. So golf cart. Yeah, that is an option mm-hmm. or, you know, Raleigh, we have those little electric scooters. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Very good. I have, uh, I, my race of December, um, my version of the holiday uh, running season uh, was going to be the, the California International Marathon, which everyone will recall that I pivoted to after I had to pull out of the Berlin Marathon, which was supposed to be on September 26th. Um, and I just wasn't getting the training done amidst all the, the campaigning and last minute work and, and sudden crises I was constantly having to deal with related to, to running for school board in my local municipality here. Um, and uh, 
And so they this year, for the first time, had not a deferral program, but a transfer program. And they opened a Facebook group and said, uh, if you want have a bid to transfer, you can post it here. And I posted it and I transferred it to a guy in Tacoma, Washington. Um, and so this is now the third year in a row, 2019, 2020, 2021. Hang on, 2019, 2020, 2021, uh, in which my last real event of the year was the Blue Ridge Relay. Um, and I can't quite figure out whether this is like a pandemic related phenomenon or whether this is sort of my life now that I need to do like big events in the early part of the year and then do the Blue Ridge Relay and then just like coast into January. Um, um, I don't know. Uh, and it could be a little bit of both, maybe. But one way or another, I, I'm supposed to have, you know, the London Marathon and the Berlin Marathon next September and October. And so I better kind of get this figured out sooner rather than later. But uh, but yeah, I, don't, I, I guess check back in with me in four or five years and see whether I'm still doing fall marathon stuff. Um, what do you think, Michelle? You usually have pretty interesting insight on my life. I think it's just a busier time of year for you. I also, I think I already said this, but I also think you underestimate how much Blue Ridge Relay takes out of you. Mm -hmm. That may be so. Yeah, so. That, that was definitely the case in 2019, which was our last non-pandemic year. Um, uh, and the only non-pandemic year of the three that I just mentioned um, is that 2019, I finished the Blue Ridge Relay. That year didn't go well for me. Uh, and I decided that since I was supposed to have such an epic 2020, <laughs> um, that, that I would back off and recoup a little bit in the last few months of the year and then be ready to roll at the Tokyo Marathon on February 20 or March 1st of, of uh, 2020. Um, but of course, we all know that didn't happen. Um, so, um, so yeah, yeah it's just interesting time of reflection for me. Go ahead. What'd you say? No, I said, I don't really think you can have a good Berlin and good London next fall. Oh, definitely not. If yeah. you do Blue Ridge Relay. Yeah. Well, you, so if I do Blue Ridge Relay. Summer, what? If I do, but I had a good, I had a good, in 2018, I had a good Philadelphia after the Blue Ridge Relay. Um, okay, but now, that's one marathon in the same time zone. So he, so I had, it was, also, it was, it was two months later. later. It's two months later. Yeah. But anyway, we'll see. Like I said, I mean, this is, we're talking about these massive trends over the course of years. And so it's going to take, uh, I guess, a few more years of data gathering before we determine whether this is, you know, what my life is or what my new normal is, or, or, or whether this is just something that, that I'm doing for now. We'll see. We'll see. Um, all right. What are we talking about tonight? Let's talk about that half marathon. That seems like the, uh, the, the big piece of news that's happened over the course of the past short while, right, Michelle? It was big news. It's, I've, I've definitely heard it called uh, the greatest performance. In I was going to say, it's, it's almost kind of like mind blowing news, but yeah, set it up for us. Um, people go to Valencia to run fast. Uh, we know that. And the half marathon championship, sorry, just the Valen half marathon in Valencia uh, took place. And the previous women's half marathon time was about 64 minutes um ethiopia's uh latissa bet gide we're just gonna use her last name i mean she smashed like she shattered the half marathon world record uh, it was her debut at the distance she ran 102 52 so she not a, only came under the hour four minute 64 minute mark but she came under the hour three minute 63 minute mark um 
We've seen a lot from her. I mean, we we saw her lose to Safan Hassan in Tokyo, but she holds other world records at the 5K, 10K, and 15K distance. So, um, and I think her 15K world record is something to be talked about in and of itself, but nobody really focuses on that distance because it's sort of a weird distance. But now she stepped up to the half marathon and I don't know, this is just, it's like unprecedented. I mean, you've got America's fastest men, you know, maybe on a, on a, not an A plus day, but a B plus day running 62 minute half marathon. So, um, yeah, yeah. It, the, the, also, the, the Olympic trials qualifying standard. Sorry. Uh, no, I was just going to say to, to your point there, the Olympic trials qualifying standard, um, for the marathon, you can use a half marathon to qualify for the marathon trials. Like, uh, like Molly Seidel did, um, and it's it's 104 flat. And yeah, so, so she, so she would have she would have easily qualified. She qualified by by more than a minute for the men's Olympic trials <laughs> in the United States. Yeah, I mean, I think she's a super 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 talent. I think she's kind of a almost like a thing mu that we've seen in the shorter distances, but and this is very 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 fast. <laughs> like. <laughs> It's several days old now and it's still, you know, topping lots of news feeds and newsletters and everything. So um, you can argue shoes and everything, but she does have a, you know, we like to see a a build. What did not someone that just comes out of nowhere and runs some earth shattering time. So she definitely has uh, the history and the progression, but it's still remarkable. I I can't even find the words. So one, one of the other, like to put it in perspective or one of the other things that, that you've heard batted around about how great it is. And, and I do think it's important what you just said, by the way, that if you plug into all the calculators to say, okay, well, if you run this fast or 5k and this fast or 10k, how fast can you actually run for half marathon? What should, what should you be capable of? They actually line up pretty well. Um, and so that world record she has in the 10k 2901 or 2902, um, it lines up pretty well with this 10250 something that she ran in Valencia for the half marathon. And so, so it's not out of step with what it is that she's done prior to now. Uh, and I think that's important. Like you said, I think that's, that that's critical. The, the, but one of the most striking things about it is if that you then extend that out to the marathon. marathon. Yeah. Um, and if you say, okay, so, so this 10252, what is that equal to for the marathon? And it's equal to a sub 210 marathon. So I've heard 209 and I've also heard 211. Did you run the number yourself or? I, so, so in one of the calculators I saw, it was a 209 high. It was a sub yeah, 210. But even if it's not, if it was simply a 211, that's five minutes per mile. Um, that is something that only a handful of American men right now can run for the marathon. It's three minutes faster than the marathon world record which in and of itself is three minutes faster than the second fastest marathon of all time um and so it is it is a a paradigm shifting mark the prospect that there is a woman out there running that can run a sub 211 or even a sub 210 marathon is incredible right i think just to put it in perspective i mean we had Paula Radcliffe's 215 for the marathon, but it lasted from 2013 to 16 to 2019. Mm-hmm. And then we saw Bridget Cosguy in Chicago just run 
214.04, and nobody thought that was even possible. And now we have get a running a half marathon time that is, you know, stacks up to be several minutes faster than 214 in the marathon. So she's just so young. I hope she, I, I kind of hope she just waits a while to get to the marathon and doesn't rush there. I'd like to just see her dominate, um, keep things interesting in the 5k, 10k stuff more. So, so that, so that's something good to talk about. And, and before we talk about it, let me correct the mistake I just made a second ago. I said that Bridget Cosguy's world record of 214 was three minutes faster than the fastest, the second fastest time. It's not. It's one minute faster than the fastest time, which was, of course, as you said, Paula Radcliffe's 215 from back in the day that stood for so long. It's three minutes faster than anybody else can run right now. Um, yes. The fastest women in the world are running 217s. And that in and of itself is mind blowing and incredible, by the way. Um, and Bridget Cosguy beating all of them by three minutes and running so fast in Chicago last year was just an incredible performance. The idea that she would literally be beaten by almost a mile by Latenzabet Gide. What? <laughs> I don't know. It's too hard to wrap my mind around. Yeah. Okay. And so, so, so let's, let's talk about then what you just said. And I, and I think about Pete Ray who yep. we've talked about so many times on this podcast and who we interviewed on this podcast a couple of years ago, Patrick and I interviewed him and he would he disagree said, with what I said. <laughs> he said that Bill Rogers always told him Bill Rogers, who I'm a big fan of, you know, multi-time winner, Dang. both in New York city and the New York city marathon. Um, uh, Bill Rogers once said to Pete Ray, you got to get people into the marathon sooner that this idea of running fast when you're younger and then moving up to the marathon that compromises marathon greatness because you want to run the marathon when you're actually at your fastest. Um, you don't want to start slowing down, then run the marathon. Um, so, so there's a part of me that, that I agree with you and sort of the traditional way we go about it is, is let's let her keep on running fast fives and tens. But if she's capable of running a 210 in the marathon right now, Let's put that girl on a marathon and see what she can do, you know? Yeah. Uh, Different schools of thought. Yeah. <laughs> and what do you think, Eric? Uh, Eric I, just wants to see her do a 50. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, yeah, I think there's a difference when you go to the ultra marathon length, sure. but I tend to agree that there is a sweet spot that, that you can, you can extend your career too far and then you move into the marathon and you, you don't have enough time to get used to it and be mm -hmm. effective at it. Mm -hmm. So I, I think there's a sweet spot of when you should transition. Um, I think that that sweet spot though, isn't based on an age. I, I, I would say it's probably more based on your maturity, your running maturity and your miles, mm -hmm. you know, cause I, I, you know, we've at least in general, you know, women have been hitting their prime running years after 30, but, you know, Molly Seidel is 27. Um, G'day is 23. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, so maybe that is shifting um, to an earlier age, but they may have also started much earlier in their careers and put more time in and they might just be much mature, more mature runners. I, I don't, I don't know the answer. I, I think there's a, there's a transition point and you just have to find it. And some, some people do, and some people don't. And I, and I think that's actually a very wise point um, that, that rather than saying, oh, okay, you should move up after age 27 or after you've run 
10 10 k's on the track or whatever it happens to be that you should you should judge it more on a case-by-case basis um around who the runner actually is and how long they've been running and what their particular talents are and all that sort of thing um i think a big piece we talked about this last week i think and i mentioned the 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 mental part of running you know there's mental fatigue also and the marathon is a mental battle for much longer than the 10k i think the 10k is a physically probably on the track the 10k is maybe a more physically demanding race um, from an intensity standpoint but mentally i think the marathon is a much more difficult race having never run a marathon i'm basing it on what i what i see what i hear what i read but the so maybe that maturity in the mental area is, is really the big piece. Maybe, maybe. Well, and being able to, to train for the marathon. Mm-hmm. I mean, not that everyone has to train like Taggart, you know, but, <laughs> but, but, but to, to run a strong marathon, you've got to be able to put some miles in and you've got to be able to put the hard workouts in too. So that's, that requires a lot of physical maturity, physical running maturity as well. So I think you're right. I think you're right. I think it's a good point. Um, all right. We will see whether Latenzabet Gide ends up going up to the marathon sooner rather than later. I mean, she could still, she could still continue to, to tear it up on the track for another two years and then move to the marathon and still only be 26 years old. So um, uh, that would be super impressive. We'll see. Wasn't there, I remember another highlight to her, 10,000 on the track. So Safan Hassan set the world record and then right. was it a day later or two days later? It was two days later and it was on the same track. On the same track. <laughs> but didn't she run like a blazing last 400 meters? Um, yeah, I think it was the last kilometer um, was particularly fast. Isn't that right, Michelle? I'm going to look it up. <laughs> yeah, I'd have to look it up to comment. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. She, she ran a 63 400. Mm-hmm. Her last 400 was a 63. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, that's pretty solid for the end. That's pretty solid at the end of a 10 for, for, for your 25th lap around the track. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I guess my point and my, my feeling just with her age and what she runs is it's rare that we see somebody, you know, at a world best level, step up to the marathon and really come back down to the mm-hmm. 10K, 5K distance. Yeah, and I do think we see people come back and run PRs. I don't think that's the issue. I just don't think we see world record holders leave the 5K, 10K distance, go up to the marathon, and then come back and still be able to compete at a world best level in those distances. So I'm not saying Bill Rogers or Peter wrong. I'm sure they're not. I just, you know, I don't know. So so you, you just don't want to see her or anybody else compromise their ability to to have a really really fast 5k or 10k for the sake of running a really fast marathon yeah and also i think just to bring more excitement um and notoriety to the sport it's just a great she and safan are they're great to watch on the track you know i mean that's an exciting race to watch so but we'll see i'm sure she doesn't really care i think marathons aren't exciting to watch 
mean, <laughs> you're not really. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. Watch, I enjoy watching marathons. I I'd rather watch a runner run like a NASCAR around a track five <laughs> times. <laughs> I mean, I actually you know. agree with you, Michelle. I agree with you completely. Don't sacrifice your ability to continue, you know, a, a really quality, you know, track career. 5,000, 10,000. Here, here's the big question though. And I, I bring this up like every other podcast. I think we might've gone a couple without me saying it. Do you guys have this feeling that we're coming out of the pandemic and we're coming out of the world record smashing that we've seen because- I mean, it's coming to an end? It's coming, it's gonna slow down mm. because we're gonna get back into the routine of the races you have to run um, to maintain your, your sponsorships and the, you know, the, the travel travel mm -hmm. and all of that. I, I'm, I thought we were going to be able to start seeing that this year, I think, mm -hmm. <laughs> but the pandemic has been dragging on a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, so maybe, maybe over the next year and the year after that, because I just feel like every week we're talking about a new record getting smashed. Mm -hmm. I mean, we just talk about Safana San sets the world record and then boom, G'day comes and breaks the world record two days later. Mm -hmm. You know. I don't know if it's really going to dissipate as much as you think it is. I think the shoes are going to continue to uh, help people run fast. I think the light technology is going to continue to come into play, you know, more places than Diamond League and the few other places that we've seen it in the last year or two. But I also think that, you know, maybe there's something to be said about athletes advocating for different types of contracts and different types of appearance schedules and travel requirements, because if anything, especially at the collegiate level, you know, the pandemic showed that just sitting back and getting in some solid training and not racing for a period of time, the wear and tear of travel, the mental battle of, you know, being in competition year round. I mean, it paid off for just about everybody. I mean, not me personally, but you know, the people that matter. But you didn't so, do that. You actually know. didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not, that's not a mistake. I, you know what, you bring up some really, really good points. The technology advances were definitely a part of the last two, two and a half, three years. Yeah. I mean, we basically saw the, we, if we saw the prototype of the Vaporfly at the 2016 Olympic trials, it took a solid three to four years to get the equivalent of, you know, the super shoe to the track basically. So we really only started seeing people wearing the track version of the road shoe, like late 2019 and then all through 2020. So I don't know if it's really going to die down, but I guess, you know, like George said, we can check in four to five years from now. All right. There we go. All right. So, so we're, we're going to put in a marker because we're actually coming up on our 200th episode of the most pleasant exhaustion podcast, as you know. And so maybe we'll put in a marker that, that at our 300th podcast or our 400th podcast, we will check back and see whether some of these uh, trends hold up longitudinally. Um, We'll see. We'll see. Speaking of people who move up to the marathon and follow a more traditional path, Ben True is uh, running his first marathon this weekend, isn't he? Ben True is going to debut at the marathon in New York City. He's mm -hmm. running unsponsored. He has paid people to be his training partners. Um, and based <laughs> on the New York Times article that I read today, he seems to be pretty confident. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Why yeah. you gotta pay people to be your training partners? He 
He I mean, very is, much put out there that he'd offer a $20,000 stipend to anybody that moved to New Hampshire and would basically agree to train regularly with him so that he didn't have to train alone. Mm-hmm. Um, and in return, I mean, it's a small stipend, but he's offered them coaching and other stuff, um, you know, like pro bono, if you want to call it that. So he said in the New York times article that training for the marathon, he feels really good. And it's the first type of training he's done. that makes him feel like there's a lot of running left in his legs. So, I mean, he's had, you know, one slot misses in the last two Olympic trials on the track. So this is clearly a guy, even, I mean, he was a Saucony for 10 years and lost his sponsorship, but he clearly still wants to run. Mm-hmm. So I I mean, I personally hope he has an awesome run in New York on Sunday. I'd love to see him, you know, picked up and it's all about financial viability. He said, you know, whether he can continue at this level. So he definitely, I'm sure he feels the pressure for Sunday. For sure. Yeah. I would like to see him do well. I've always been a fan of Ben True. And I think most people who follow, um, who listen to our podcast, who might be triathletes are also fans of Ben True because of course he's married to. Sarah True, um, pro triathlete um, and very accomplished pro triathlete from the United States here as well. Um, um, very good. Very good. Um, yeah. New York this weekend. Um, and I will definitely get this podcast out before the New York City Marathon comes out here. Um, but uh, who else is going to be in the New York City Marathon this weekend, Michelle? Well, we're going to see Bekele come back. And um, oh, yeah, I mean, he's definitely... I don't know how anybody can not, he can be, he has to be your favorite, mm-hmm. <laughs> just making a very objective statement here. Mm-hmm. Um, Second fastest marathon of all time. One, mean, of the, one, one of the greatest distance runners ever. So yeah, he, he wasn't great earlier this fall, but um, he's going to come back. And my feeling is he wouldn't be showing up to New York if he wasn't really ready to dominate, but who knows what's going to happen. He's so um, mercurial though. And, that, and that's the funny thing about it is that he'll have this, this, you know, you'll be like, Oh, well he's done. Oh, well, you know, he hasn't really trained all that well. Oh, well, it looks like, you know, his best days are over. Cause he was winning gold medals on the track in 2008. Um, and then he'll come out and run the second fastest marathon of all time and miss Elliot Kipchoge's time by three seconds. Right. So it, it's, it's almost like which Kenanisa Bekele is going to show up in New York this weekend. Um, I would love to see the fast one, but he's got to be like 39 years old now, right? So yeah. <laughs> he's almost yeah. your age, Michelle. Oh my goodness. <laughs> um, uh, I would, I would like to see him do well, but, but yeah, you I just mean, never can tell who's going to show up. And we've also never seen Bekele on, we see him on flat, fast courses. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of going to take him back to his cross country days, essentially. Mm-hmm. If you want to yeah. think of New York, like just a really long drawn out cross cross country race. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So, so um, I have an athlete who's running the, the, the New York city marathon this weekend. He's run it a couple of times before. Um, and he and I were talking about it. It's, it's a fabulous race. I mean, it's such a cool race. The New York city marathon is. Um, and if anybody is listening to this and running it, and you've been reading all about the Queensboro bridge and how difficult that is, do not forget about the hill at the 24 mile mark it is vicious um vicious there is 24 miles coming up and into the park so it's just before you go into the park yeah you climb up a half mile long hill and you can literally see the hill from more are than you two on miles fifth away. avenue yeah you're on fifth avenue it's a fifth oh, avenue yeah. hill yeah yeah it is so hard um and it comes at such a difficult moment in the race i mean um, this is like the last 1200 quarter of a mile at uh chicago 
where mm. you go up this tiny, tiny bridge overpass, but <laughs> in the moment it feels like a mountain. <laughs> is, it, is the only hill on the entire Chicago course? Oh, it's so ridiculous. It's so almost at the finish line. And it is, yep. when you see it before the race, you, you don't even notice that you're walking up an incline, right. but when you're running, it's really awful. So you're running but Fifth beyond Avenue the 26 is, mile mark. Yeah. 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 Fifth Avenue is worse. It's, it's a legit hell. It's legit hell for sure. For sure. Um, and then Molly Seidel's running New York city too, right? Yeah. We're going to see her turn around from, uh, Tokyo and this course favors her. Um, but who knows? She said it was pretty tough to get back into training and, She's not been pretty forthcoming with what she thinks her level of fitness is, but she's definitely gutsy runner. So she'll be out there. Um, Des Linden announced that she was planning to run Boston and New York and withdrew from New York just a few days ago, uh, said she had a few niggles and left residual soreness and possibly an injury from Boston. And it just didn't turn around fast enough for her to actually be ready to complete New York. She sounded like if she thought she could run the distance, she'd be out there, but um, that we weren't done. We'd see her again. So it feels to me like she's probably putting this on the back burner, but maybe we'll see her in Boston in April uh, since we get another Boston so soon. And then, yeah, just tons of other Americans. We've got Laura Thweet, Steph Bruce, Kellen Taylor. Um, so it should be a good race for American distance running fans right on um do you know that it's only three months until the winter olympics yes i'm so excited about that by the way are you they're in yes. beijing i feel like an olympic games in china <laughs> in winter of 2022 is not going to be super popular so <laughs> this is a crazy story but there's a brand called shit that i knit and she's like an entrepreneur and she started a business in boston this is years ago and she sells very expensive knitted hats with pom-poms on them. And she announced two weeks ago that she basically has the deal for USA Olympic gear. And a lot of the skiers wear her stuff, but I haven't seen it in really a lot of other winter sports. So I'm very, very excited for her. I might have to buy a USA hat. It's just right. a thing. You might have to buy some USA shit. Yeah. I mean, it's been a while. I don't think I've done that since like 1996 when the Olympics were here in Atlanta, but this yeah. is this is very cool. So, um, yeah, I mean, the ski season started last weekend, two weeks ago. So I'm very excited about a winter Olympics. <laughs> okay. So, so this is funny. You, you go to her website and the address is shit that I knit.com. Yep. But her, <laughs> I don't know what, so you have to, you have to type that in to get there, but she puts an asterisk on the I instead of the I for the, the word shit. <laughs> I mean, she <laughs> and, wants and everything it to else. be kid friendly. Yeah, oh yeah friendly. so kid friendly yeah that that makes I'm all the difference right there. Hey, what does sh asterisk t mean come on guys look at those hats i can't believe you're nope. on the website they're this so rocks. cute they're awesome this is good stuff yeah this is this is definitely good stuff i, I actually went to shit that i night.com <laughs> yeah okay there we I go know. i think it's cool to see an entrepreneur go from you know a pile of yarn to She's right, already great. doing great, but this is just a whole nother level. I'm excited. Oh, cool. no, yeah, they're, they're cool looking hats. I agree. And they got some big old pom-poms on them. Um, very cool. Maybe I'll get one for Casey for Christmas, for my wife for Christmas. So George, if we can transition. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> We're shopping on the internet now. <laughs> right. Um, so we, so 
Uh, Michelle, you probably know about this because you're into all things running, especially uh, women's women's running. But this not so much anymore. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, this came up in our Blue Ridge Relay text, uh, our our message group on, over the weekend. Um, NC State women's. Oh, uh, they're unbelievable. They're, they're yeah, stunning. absolutely unbelievable. So this you twenty you points. To, twenty points. This up, yeah, but it's not just that. 2016, 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021, they have been number one in the ACC. Number one in the ACC. And this year, they doubled down. They they won with 20 points. Yeah, that's incredible. She has the most amazing classes of recruits. I mean, she's got the best of the best. She being the coach? Yeah. Yeah. No, that's that's incredible. And so so for for – for those of you who, who, who don't know cross country or follow cross country as well, in cross country, the way scoring works is first place gets one point, second place gets two points, et cetera. And you score five runners. And so a perfect score would be your first place runner finishes first in the whole race, second place finishes second in the whole race. Perfect score would be 15 points. And in the ACC championships, which in the ACC has how many teams in it now, Eric? 15? Um, including some of the best teams in the United States, um, uh, you know, Notre Dame and others, um, they score 20 points. Um, they took, what was it? One, two, four, five, eight. I want to say it was one, two, four, five, eight. But then they took 17, 23, 24, 25 and 26, I think. Right. I mean, so, they, so, they placed yeah. nine runners in the top 26. Right. It's incredible. Yeah. yeah so not only did they score 20 points, that's a big point. A big point. A big point of this is they scored 20 points and they displaced points right. from <laughs> other teams with their non scoring runners. Yeah. No, that, that is, yeah. I think three or four, I mean, even four or five of those nine are freshmen or sophomores. Mm-hmm. One one of them is somebody we've talked about a lot on this podcast before. It was a sophomore who finished second overall in the ACC. It was Caitlin Tui. And we haven't talked about her in a year or two, but we talked about her when she was rewriting the record books in high school. Um, and, and we openly wondered, um, as we often do when, when athletes are doing so well at such a young age, what she ultimately would become. So far, she's doing great. Yeah. Um, uh, and I, I, I'm definitely happy to see it. I mean, she is a, a, a rare talent. And she's a freshman. So is she a freshman now? Yeah. This is really her first, you know, truly competitive cross country season. Because she was so much better than everybody else when she was in high school. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, so so nobody could compete with her. Is that what you mean? I mean, she's only losing to what? Kelsey Schimmel. Yeah. Who was also a high school phenomenon. So amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And I'm not a big fan of NC state. I know that, uh, that Eric lives in Raleigh and, and, and that one of his kids goes to NC state, but, uh, you know, I, I built up a healthy disdain for the Wolfpack uh, running for Georgia tech back in the day, but, but, <laughs> e- but even I will admit that is a damn impressive performance. I mean, that is hey, absolutely incredible. If it makes you feel any better, Georgia tech got one runner in the top 26. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. <laughs> so Nicole Fagans bringing it home for the yellow jackets. Yeah, go. I just looked. Only three of those top nine runners are seniors. Yeah, that's incredible. So, so I, I mean, 2022, seven years in a row. I mean, it, this that's seems unimaginable. likely. 
Yeah. And the, 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 the women's cross country team at NC state has now won more uh, ACC titles than any other women's sports program in the Atlantic coast conference. Um, and that's all women's sports, women's basketball, women's volleyball, softball, all women's sports. They are the most prolific ACC ch championship winning women's team um, in, in the Atlantic coast conference. Um, yeah. What a program. Just incredible. Um, I think it's important that you clarified twice that they have to be an ACC team to win. <laughs> Don't want anybody getting confused. We have some <laughs> listeners who, who, who live in other countries. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Since we've been talking about marathons and talking about all sorts of other things and talking about qualifying for things, let's talk about two more quick things. First of all, let's talk about the USATF selection criteria for next year's world championship team. Um, and so, Michelle, take us through the latest snafu of USA track and field. So typically the world uh, marathon team is something that you are just kind of assigned on a descending order list by a fastest time, you know, within a time period leading up. It's something that historically American women will pass on the opportunity to run because it's not a big payday and they'll choose a Boston or New York or, you know, it might be a, a, a spot on the track or something. The issue with 2022 is that worlds are here. They're in Eugene and everybody wants to be on this world's team for the marathon. So uh, USATF basically unveiled a new selection criteria. They did away with the descending order lists for the 2022 world championships because they don't because they don't have trials for the world championship marathon team. that's right right yeah it's like not, they a, do for it's the not a right. right trials are only for uh world's track and field and then the marathon trials are only for the olympics so they basically came out and said um anyone who finished in the top 10 in the marathon at the olympic games gets a spot on the team so molly seidel is automatically on the team for the women. Um, and then they Jaylen said Rupp's automatically on there for the women. Yep. And then they said next, the top finishers at the 2021 Chicago, Boston and New York city marathons will be offered spots on the team based on their finished place. So what that means, first of all, this was announced after Chicago and Boston have already been <laughs> run before New York city and, 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 and a week before New York. Yes. So as it is right now, because of Emma Bates, placing second in Chicago and Sarah Hall placing third, the team is Molly Seidel and Emma Bates and Sarah Hall. The only issue with this is that you're taking the second and third spot from the second and third place finisher at Chicago, which is notoriously, you know, faster than New York and Boston, but not that it's faster that matters as much as there was almost no international field there this year. So whereas American women are needing to place, you know, first, second or third in Boston or New York, you've got some of the most competitive fields there with world-class runners. And those world-class runners, except on the American side, didn't really go to Chicago this year. So it's a strong team. I, nobody's arguing that. It's just that they released the criteria after two of the three marathons that can count have already been run. It takes away women who thought that they would be named to the team based on the descending Amen. order list. Mm -hmm. And it also just opens up, okay, well, if any woman runs Chicago, sorry, runs New York this weekend and gets first, then they'll knock off 
uh, either Emma or Sarah Hall. And if anyone gets the same spot, so if second or third place at New York, but their time is faster than either Emma's or Sarah's from Chicago, then they will also uh, knock one of them off. I don't actually think we're going to. We won't see that. Yeah, we're not going to see 224s in New York from American women. I'm, I don't know. Maybe we will. I don't think we will. But um, seems unlikely. Those those three spots seem pretty solid. But I, who knows? Because if someone gets first place in New York, if it's a strategic race and it goes out slow, then either Emma or Sarah Hall are going to lose their spot. Um, well, to, to, to me, the big issue with it is the fact that they announced a different criteria from the one oh, yeah. that they've used in the past. 100%. Literally, when 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 it was it was already but you couldn't adjust the criteria. So so professional athletes, professional runners will build their seasons and will make their plans and and build their training cycles around the qualifying criteria for these world's teams. Um, and and so um, if an athlete was basing their their season and their approach to the season on making a world's championship team for next year, they would invariably go to the place where they thought they could run the fastest because that's the way it's always been out of the fast. The fastest runners would go regardless of where they ran those times and, and regardless of where they finished in the races where they did run those times. Um, the person I think is most adversely affected by this is Marty Heher, um, who we've talked about on this podcast before. Um, he won the marathon project. He's an uh, alumnus of Syracuse University, which, as Eric will tell you, is, is, in, is in what conference, Eric? The ACC. The, the ACC, the Atlantic <laughs> Coast Conference. And, and because they're in the ACC, that's the reason why they were able to win the Atlantic Coast Conference a, a championship a couple of times. Um, they're also a member of the NCAA, and they won the NCAA championship when, uh, when Marty Heher and, and Jordan Knight were there. But anyway, um, but Marty Heher won the marathon project in just under 209 in 208.58, I think it was, um, back in December. Um, and he then went into, was graduated from medical school and went into his medical residency. And he figured, I don't think anybody's going to run a whole lot faster than 208 next year. Um, I don't think anybody's going to go any better than that. And so I'm not going to sign up for a fall marathon. I'm going to focus on raising my two kids and trying to get my feet under me as part of my medical residency, rather than training at a high, super high level for a marathon. Once I've got that down, I can then qualify for the world's team, circle back around and compete in Eugene in the summer of 2022. Marty's out of luck because um, he didn't run in the Olympics, but he also didn't run Chicago, Boston or New York. Um, he didn't sign up to run those um, because he didn't think he was going to have to because he didn't realize that those races were going to be the only races that were considered um, as part of the selection criteria for the world championship team. Um, feel bad for that. Um, similar can be said about Kira D'Amato on the women's side. She mm. has a 222 time and I've heard her recently on several podcasts leading up to Chicago where she knew you know, she wasn't back into 222 shape, but she thought she could have a, a decent day for where she was. And she did. She came in fourth. But her long term plan was 100% to be because of descending order. I mean, the only person faster than her would have been uh, Sarah Hall, basically, who would run the time within a certain time period. Jordan Hase has a faster time, but it, I think it would have been too far back. So, you know, she's she's also completely left out. Um and expected to be named to that team. So yeah, I think there's a lot of backlash all around. And again, it's not that USATF can't change the qualification criteria. It's just 
they like basically selecting the team retroactively based on a whole new set of criteria. Right. So it's just not fair. Going back to George's original point, when he had you set this up, like this is your job Mm -hmm. and you're hanging out to dry some of the best talent Mm -hmm. to put together this team. Mm -hmm. And, and I get it. You can't set rules based on individuals, but when you're changing rules, you really need to assess how that's going to affect the team. And I think that this is this this rule change negatively affects the team. And it just puts a kind of a black eye on the the regulation of the sport, it makes it look stupid. Yet another black eye. Yeah. Well, right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right. Let's wrap up by talking about an ultra because we have our ultra runner here with us. And, and uh, let's talk about Camille Heron. We've talked about her before. And let's talk about how if she stays in a race, if she's able to finish, she often wins. And such was the case this past weekend. <laughs> Michelle. Why is it so much Michelle this time? So I, I like when Michelle takes the lead. And, and we've got I'm so the only much, one that prepared. We've gotten so much positive feedback from from your race report that, that I have resolved to, to kick it to Michelle far more often. This yeah. is way easier to podcast about than my race report. <laughs> um, so Javelina Gendred was this past weekend. And, you know, we saw Camille go over to Europe um, a few several weeks ago. And she wanted to break another 100 K record and she got food poisoning before we saw her drop at Western States. I mean, I think by now it's just, it's understood that like, when is Camille going to drop? She's either going to break some world record at a crazy, uh, you know, 50 mile, 100 K 100 mile distance, or she's going to have an epic blow up and we're going to get to read all about it. So this time she stayed in, uh, she not only stayed in, but she which ran. means <laughs> what said, which yeah. means, yeah, I think, well, we were, you know, going back and forth and looking at the results as it was going on. And every 10 or so miles when Camille is still in there and she was running seventh overall and fifth overall and fourth overall. And it was just like, it got to the point where, okay, all she has to do is literally just keep running. Um, I kind of had my money on Brittany Peterson, but that's okay. She still had a great race. Camille ran a hundred miles on single track through the desert and boiling hot temperatures in 14 hours, three minutes and 23 seconds. And yeah. that was a new course record. Ah. So, um, <laughs> That's incredible. And I obviously need to dive in more to Arlen Glick. He's, he was the men's winner. He's won nine 100 mile races since his first one three years ago in 2018. I need to learn more about this guy. Do you guys know about him? I don't actually. And and you, you're you're putting it on our notes for the podcast that it was his ninth hundred mile win since 2018. That's the first I'd heard of that. That's incredible. Right. Um, so he, he's clearly the real deal. Yeah, but it's fun to you know it was a golden ticket race, so we saw uh, a few more people get their tickets for Western next year. And Camille said she'll go back to States and she'll just keep trying until she gets it right. So the thing about Javelina Jundred is even though it's, you know, kind of more of a single track through the desert, it really does favor her. I mean, I think it's one of the, it's not technical. Like you can, you can really run this hundred miles, obviously 14 hours. Um, but we haven't really seen Camille, you know, perform 
kind of up in the mountains. So it'll be interesting to see if she goes back to Western States next year and actually finishes it. <laughs> so. Yeah, right on. Um, and it'll be interesting for us to see too. I mean, Arlen Glick got his, uh, his, his ticket as well. And here I am saying he's the real deal because he's won 900 mile races. We'll see he's the real deal um, when he goes to Western yeah. States and, and competes against the best competition in the world or some of the best competition in the world. Um, all right. Um, yeah, George. Th- 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 thoughts on it, Eric? Um, well, I, it's, it's what Michelle said. It's what she's always said. It's what I reminded her of. As soon as this text, uh, string started, I said, you've always said if she can stay in the race, she's going to win. Yeah. So we were all kind of sitting on the edge of our seats, watching the miles count down. And I think we all came to the same conclusion. Yep. She's going to win. <laughs> she doesn't fall and break something. She is going to win this race. And it was, it was phenomenal. I mean, it's just, it's 14 hours just blows my mind. I mean that, and I get it. I get it. It's not a, you know, mountainous, you know, hopping over rocks, running through creeks hundred, but it, it's still a hundred miles, a hundred miles, <laughs> still a hundred miles and a hundred miles in 14 hours is damn, that's damn fast. That's damn fast. It's amazing. It's amazing. No, she, she, she's clearly speaking of, you know, once in a generation type athletes, she, she's clearly brilliant. Um, Michelle, you need to see what you can do to bring her on the podcast. Pull Did some we try strings. that once? So, no? I don't we think can... we have tried that one. So I think it's worth a try. Hey, okay. Michelle, you need to talk to Betty because from what I understand, she is your path to the big names. <laughs> so Betty, Betty Lindbergh, my who mom or Betty Lindbergh? <laughs> Nope, Betty, your mom. That's who we're talking about. All right. All right. Yeah, my mom went out and got Betty Lindbergh and Jeff Galloway for a fundraiser Monday night. So I did an interview with them, which was kind of fun, different audience, but they were great. So um, I asked Betty a few questions that we asked her on our podcast, and she was like, you know, I don't eat fruits and vegetables. I already told you that. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like 50 women there. And oh, it was just great. She was great. So. So I think it was the funniest thing about that was that you had to look up who Jeff Galloway was. What? I did. That That's can't what be you true. Said? No, I didn't that have to look up. How, I didn't have to look up who Jeff Galloway is. I was about to say three miles from Philippines. What are you talking about? I was about to say that cannot be true. I will have to review the question I asked you and how you responded and figure out how you responded the way you did. Cause I was so aghast that I did not continue down that. <laughs> oh no. I mean, honestly, this was a fundraiser. It's interesting. This was a fundraiser for heart health. Um, but I specifically stayed, I mean, Jeff has been pretty public. I mean, he had a heart attack recently, but I, I, I stayed away from that. I was really careful in asking him questions. You know, if he wanted to mention it, he could, but, um, I was, I was pretty careful about that, but he was great. I mean, it's, you know, kind of novice walker runner audience and spoke about his walking programs and told everyone, if you only have a pair of tennis shoes, go for a walk. And, you know, um, it was fun. It was interesting. (laughs) Very good. Glad you did it. I'll have my mom get in touch with Camille. I guess that's what we're trying to get to here. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. All All right. There was one last thing we wanted to talk about real quick. Mention it, Eric. So, I'm not in Atlanta, so I I didn't actually notice this. Somebody had to bring it to my attention, but the track club uh, has a new shoe sponsor, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Who will take it? Adidas. 
Yeah. So Atlanta track club has been under a Mizuno contract for several years now, which I think it was good for a time being. They brought the Bagley's here. They started an elite team. Mizuno is local. Um, you know, and they, they have enough apparel and shoes that, uh, we, you see people racing them and you occasionally see Mizuno kits at the big races, but as the technology progressed with shoes, I mean, Mizuno is one of the lone standing companies that don't have a carbon plated shoe or have not had it come to the market yet. So we've seen the Atlanta track club athletes, whether on the track or on the roads race in the shoe of their choice, which is typically a Nike, although I'm sure somebody might've worn an Adidas at some point, but as we all know, I mean, Adidas has comparable shoes, both for the road and for the track and Atlanta track club announced this week that Adidas has signed on to be a longtime sponsor. So I just, I think a bigger shoe contract like that, it kind of really brings Atlanta track club up to the kind of the BAA level. That's what I've always thought in terms of, you know, at least the way the BAA is now, the Atlanta track club, the elite team is comparable. I mean, in the past, the BAA has had much higher caliber um, elite athletes, but having the Adidas in place is, is going to do a lot for Atlanta track club and a lot for their recruiting. I've, I've, I've wondered some of the athletes that they've been able to get, you know, how they've been able to get them with just kind of Mizuno, but now that they have Adidas, I mean, that's, that's just glorious. So I'm pretty excited about that. And BAA is sponsored by Adidas and they, they, they have a long time relationship with Adidas, which is the yeah. reason why the Boston marathon jackets are always Adidas jackets. And so, um, but yeah, no Mizuno, um, the fact that they, they have that relationship with Mizuno, it doesn't just mean that that's, they outfit their elite athletes and they give those shoes to elite athletes. It also means that, that all the t-shirts at all the races they do were made by Mizuno. It means that the special Peachtree road race edition shoes you could buy every July 4th, um, we're always Mizuno shoes. Um, and so those things are going to presumably change here as their, uh, as their relationship uh, with Adidas starts the beginning of next year. So yeah, if um, Adidas will fix their Boston and put it back to what it was, cause it was great for all these years. And then they make an Atlanta track club, Boston, then I'll buy that. Uh, wait. Oh, Boston, the shoe. I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Are we on the Boston that. 10? I don't know. Everything up to the nine was, was a great shoe, but whatever we're on now. And I know Eric agrees because it's a main shoe for him is Eric agrees no go. <laughs> Very good. Eric, thank you for being with us on the podcast. Hey, thank you. And I just, I wanted to clarify, Michelle, my parents wouldn't know Jeff Galloway from Jeff Bridges and Michelle's response. I had to Google. Okay. Apparently, oh. there was another conversation going on. I don't. I don't know. Or, or no, maybe she. Maybe she was googling Jeff Bridges. <laughs> oh yeah, I was right. Exactly. <laughs> you you, you didn't know googling who the big Jeff Lebowski Galloway. Was? <laughs> oh God, please. Michelle. <laughs> what? You have a movie to go watch. So we will bid you good night. Thank you for being with us. (laughs) Lebowski. Or Iron Man. You choose. Oh, gosh. Thanks again for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. You can find us on Facebook at facebook.com slash pleasantpodcast, on Twitter at pleasantpodcast, or on Instagram, Most Pleasant Exhaustion. 
We're available on Stitcher, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify, so share us with your friends. Don't forget that we're sponsored by ITL Coaching and Performance, who you can find at itlcoaching.com, on Twitter, at itlcoaching, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash itlcoachingperformance, and on Instagram, itlcoaching. We're also sponsored by Blue Pineapple Travel, bluepineappletravel.com, facebook.com slash bluepineappletravel, and on Instagram, bluepineappletravel. And finally, don't forget we're sponsored by SlayRx. That's slayrx.com, facebook.com slash here4slayrx, that's the number 4, slayrx, Twitter, at official slayrx, and Instagram, here4slayrx, the number 4, slayrx. Discount code PLEASANT21. On behalf of Michelle Frank, Patrick Ollinger, and Eric Hall, I'm George Darden. Thanks for listening to the Most Pleasant Exhaustion Podcast. See you next time.